This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio today by David Moore. There is no Evan Grant. Well, there is. There's, I don't. I question whether there's ever really been one. I question whether there ever should have should have been one. I yeah. guess we have to accept there is one. It's hard to believe that there's an Evan Grant, uh, but there is. We can account for that. Uh, he is uh, on the West Coast uh, with a with the Rangers. He'll be with us on our Rangers podcast. But for the Cowboys, it's just going to be me and David, and we're going to talk about the draft this week uh, that starts Thursday. Doesn't start for the well, Cowboys. Well, it doesn't start for Thursday. the Cowboys Thursday. No, but. it does not. Uh, just let me ask you that question. Any chance at all they would trade into the first round? I don't see really any scenario where that happens because, uh, and we'll get into this a little bit more, but you know they've been so successful in recent years of finding starters in the second through the seventh rounds. And uh, in, the, in the later rounds, if not starters, at least people who are part of the rotations and are still here and have been here three or four years, uh, that, I, you know, that's what they have to do. Clearly, their, their plan now is they want to keep their own. And you saw that with what they gave to Marcus Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Well, they're still going to have to pay Amari Cooper, who is now their own after right. the trade, after the first-round pick, which is why they won't be picking uh, right. Thursday night. You still have to pay Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Byron Jones. After that, you'll have Jalen Smith coming up fairly soon. So the fact that they have hit in the draft and have all of these players they want to retain just makes it even more of an imperative that they continue to draft well in order to fill up those other spots on the roster in order to free them up to pay big money uh, to the the players who have come out of the draft who have been stars. So but because of all of that, um, you know, look, they would have to give a, up a first-round pick in next year's draft to move up into the first round. Mm-hmm. And they're at 58. You'd probably have to give up that pick, too. So then now suddenly you're giving up a first next year and 58 to get into the first round this year, late in the first round. Right. And then you're not drafting again until 90. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I do think they have – you know, if they come out of this draft with no one who steps in and starts – I think they're still in pretty good position because of what they've done in free agency and how they've drafted recently. Start I think to, there are very, I think there are a few spots where they could draft and have a plug in a player who's going to start for them before the season ends. Yeah. But but to me, that's not even really crucial for them this year. I, I think they're they're covered pretty well. You can always get better, and they want to get better. And but all of that being said, I think that's why they'll just they'll stick with what they have. You know, they they have six picks in this draft, starting at fifty eight. The key is going to be fifty eight and ninety. They have two those two picks there. Um, I, I would be, I can see a scenario where if a really good player they didn't expect to be there drifts into the middle of the second round or they have like 
fixated and identified a, a, a player who could step in and start day one from them at, say, safety or um, a, a defensive tackle uh, that they feel is really good and will be an upgrade for them. I could see them moving up into the early 50s, late 40s uh, and giving up a pick to do that. But I wouldn't see him going much beyond that. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing for me about this draft um, is that it kind of plays right into their hands. Yeah. Uh, they, they have a, a clear uh, weakness at safety. Uh, weakness at strong safety. Yes. Uh, and uh, and of course the way that the way uh, the, in, in the NFL that safety's played now, it's more of a hybrid position. It's not the old you know weak safety, strong safety. Mm-hmm. There, there are elements of that, obviously, but you can pair up guys who have similar traits. They don't have to. One doesn't have to be the big thumper that no. you always got from a strong safety, and because. As, as Jason Garrett said the other day, you're you're looking to, to disguise your defense a little bit, yeah. and not to give the offense the idea of oh, this is who we're going to attack right now. Yeah, and you're so much in nickel and dime, and sometimes right. the safety comes down and covers a linebacker. Other times he's done, and he's going to be on the fourth receiver. Right. Uh, yeah, there are just so many different configurations now defensively, and 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 what teams do that. Uh, yeah, that distinction, and and, and again, the Cowboys play a variation of the cover two, which really they play quarters. So you play quarters of the field versus a, a, a true safety and strong safety in the box and a free safety roaming. Right. So, yeah. So, and uh, this draft is, if it's deep in anything, it's, it's deep in two areas, considerable, uh, it's considered to be uh, defensive line and it's safety. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly the Cowboys could use either one of those things, although they don't usually spend high draft picks on the defensive linemen. Uh, by high, I mean first or second round picks on defensive linemen. I, I saw somewhere that the last time they did that, uh, a first or second, was Russell Maryland. Is that could that really be right? Well, defensive tackle. Defensive yeah. tackle. Yeah, yeah. Not defensive, defensive tackle, right. which is where they really, you know, yeah. were um, – uh, because, yeah, I mean, they've done Taco Charlton. They've done right. – you know, they used a third-round pick to move up to get to Marcus Lawrence five years ago to right. the top of the second round. But, yeah, defensive tackles, they do not put a premium on them. But, but there should be uh, some pretty good defensive tackles available for them um where they are in the second round too so i think it's uh either there or safety is is the most likely that being said if you have a a, a difference maker on the offensive side of the ball like uh you know samuel debo uh, debo, see, samuel. debo samuel what, whatever yeah, whatever i have dyslexia so excuse <laughs> me uh out of south carolina so i mean that's a guy that can uh it, it's going to be interesting because they a lot of what they've done in the draft in recent years, they've addressed the defensive side of the ball, and they've addressed that in, in free agency as well, right. um, you know, uh, through trades or free agency this offseason. So you trade for Quinn, you, you you know, bring Aloka in at safety to give you a, a veteran guy back there. Who is kind of a, a standard strong safety thumper. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And, and he's a guy they were interested in uh, last year, and he wound up going to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, or two years ago, and he went to Minnesota. So, um, yeah, I, so, you know, they have usually turned to defense over these last 10 years to kind of – build their defense through the draft and pay their money or make their, you know, big hits on the, you know, the, the skill players on the offensive side of the ball where the money is and the high draft picks. Um, but like I said, now they're in pretty good shape defensively. You know, this is one of the better defenses in the league and, and the youngest defense in the league last sure. year. And, uh, but remember what was, where were they lacking last year? They 
No turnovers. Offensively, yeah, no turnovers defensively. But offensively, uh, they were one of the lowest scoring teams in right. the league. I mean, score is going up in the league, and they're going down. Right. They're scoring eight points a game less than they were in 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the league's going in the other direction. So they need to still uh, do something offensively here, which is why I would not rule out a, a receiver in the second or third round. But um, if you want to make your list on, on the guy that could step in and, and make an impact, if not week one would be starting before the season's over, you would look at strong safety and say this is where they could go in, uh, put Jeff Heath in, in a backup role, mm-hmm. uh, not expose him as much. Remember, Jeff Heath was, a, was an undrafted – there are two safeties that they went with this past year. Uh, Jeff Heath, an undrafted rookie, uh, and Xavier Woods, who went in the sixth round. Right. So if you take, in theory, if you take anyone on uh, Friday, that's going to be an upgrade. It certainly will be in what they're projected coming into the league. You would think so. Uh, and so we're looking at the, uh, well, before I get into the specific, and I wanted to discuss some of the guys that are. Yeah, we have specific considered. names we can do yeah. there in a second. But yeah. before we get to that, I wanted to ask you, because this is interesting to me, uh, on their on their pre draft visits, the guys that they have in the visit, and and I and I read somewhere where they have uh, in the with their maybe just with the top picks uh, that they have always for like or for like for the last ten years they have always drafted a guy who who visited first round yeah with the exception of Mo Claiborne and I think if you go back before that maybe Demarcus Demarcus Ware, Ware was, was the last one before that yeah. yeah. So, so and people the, say, how did Claiborne work out? Yeah, not so good. And he's the one; he's one of the few that didn't work out in that stretch too. Yeah. So it so it's so it's strengthened their commitment to do. Like I said, in some ways, it's a little harder to do it this year because they don't have a first round pick. So right. now they're talking about potential second round picks, and and there's a larger cluster of players. But you can tell what their interests are by the cluster of players that came in, and there were six safeties that they brought in. That uh, was more than any other position, wasn't it? Yeah, four four are considered second-round picks. Uh, the others are considered anywhere from fourth to uh, to sixth round. Yeah. So uh, you could tell they, they were looking at a plateau to take one, a safety in either the second or the third this week. Yeah. And if they don't get one there, then they'll drop down. And and, uh, and, and look, just because they bring them in doesn't mean they're going to, in the later rounds, they're going to draft them. Right. Uh, but it gives you an idea um, of, of certainly what they're looking and what their priorities are. And, yeah, safeties, I believe six came in, which was more than any other position. Um, you know, if you want to combine the defensive line, I think it came up to six as well uh, if you're right? doing defensive ends and, and tackles. But that was a couple of positions there. And, they, you know, they also brought uh, they brought a couple of corners in. So if you yeah. want to look at it uh, with, with safety and corner, they brought eight of their 30 visits were uh, defensive backfield. That guy, the, uh, the one of the corners was that kid from Kentucky, wasn't it? Westry? Yeah, Chris Westry. Yeah. yeah. It was a very interesting. He's he's six four and supposedly ran a four three one at uh, Kentucky's uh, workout yeah. day. And he did, he was not invited to the combine because he was not even a starter. He started as a freshman mm-hmm. and then was after that was just a spot player. So you would think a guy who was I don't know six four and ran a four three one might be really <laughs> popular. People really might like that guy. You think he, you might question yeah why yeah, he wasn't why he wasn't but that, supposedly he's got a lot of bad mechanics and needs a lot of work. Yeah, I mean he's the, the question with him is if is he more of an athlete yeah. than a football player and he and he's uh, uh, 
again, great height and speed. He has track speed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, no question. Like absolutely. you said, you just cited. And, and he's really pretty good at, at jamming receivers from, from what, you know, the scouts say. But and, and he uses his heights to kind of obscure the passing lane. So he does some good things, but uh, he's not strong. He's like too upright in, yeah. in his back pedal. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't get in the stance. He's a little flat-footed on the top of routes. Not a real good tackler. So yeah. he, he's a guy that – uh, he certainly has the measurables they would like, but he would not be a guy you would think who would step in and help immediately, which is why, you know, you're looking at him as well in, in the seventh round. Do oh, we yeah, take or him? a free agent. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Or a guy. priority free agent. Yeah, And, and you know, he may be, a, a, as, a, our, as I call him, our film studies major, John Oding, has uh, written that, that maybe Dallas is the perfect place for him because of what Chris Richard does yeah. and what he likes about bigger Defensive backs, uh, and and maybe you know maybe he fits their scheme a little better than he fit in a lot sure. of other places, and so that's why you look at him. Yeah, which is to me that's that is to and me Dallas has had success in that area, and and, and part of it is that uh, it, it's good for the players too. You know, if if you're down and you're among the last, you know, ten picks in the draft, I know you, it would be nice to say, hey, I was drafted, but at that point. As far oh. as, as making a contribution and sticking with the team, it's much better not to be drafted. Sure. And then you pick a team that fits your scheme or, or they're, you know, weak in that area and maybe you can hang as, as far as depth in that first year and work your way up. So, so you know, to me, this is one of the things that's, uh, and, and that's successful for the Cowboys and it has worked for them, especially on defense. Uh, and I guess you could say the same thing about their offense. But, uh, you know, specifically about their defense is that when we look at the success of, let's say, the San Antonio Spurs, it's because they have a system. This mm-hmm. is what we do. We, we we get this guy to fit our system. We understand the profile of player we're looking for. And right. We'll plug, yeah. And it may not be something, someone that everybody else wants, uh, but we want this guy. Mm-hmm. And to me, if you can do that, I think you're so much better off than you are in a, in a system where, no, no, we're just trying to take the best guy sure. that we can get. And because, you know, those guys don't always work out. To me, if you yeah. if you're fitting a system, if you see something in a guy that oh this is this is what we like and this is what we want him to do, I think that's always better uh, than than to, to try to to take a guy and say all right we're going to make him into what we want him to be. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's just a, a difficult thing right out of the box, and I think it's one of the reasons why this system or why this defense is so young that that, that they have so many guys who are able to step in because they they get guys. You know, Rob Marinelli and his defensive line always wants high-motor guys. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what he's looking for. Undersized, high-motor. People are talking about that, guys who get upfield. You know, that's that's the kind of thing that he wants, and and it, and it works for him. You know, people you, – you read national uh, writers and, and analysts and what they say. They talk about – when they talk about the Cowboys, they talk about what they're looking for. The other programs you read about, other organizations you read about – you don't see so much about this is what they look for. Mm-hmm. They're just looking for a good player. And that's the for all of the fan consternation and unrest with Jason Garrett. This is the other side that comes with that. The continuity of that allows you to put this draft system in place and say these are the profile of players we want. And, and you, know, you go back a few drafts, it, it – uh, and it didn't go completely smoothly because first year Marinelli came in, you know, a lot of people here thought, uh, you know, the defensive tackle Sharif is like, oh, yeah. th- this is a guy they need. From Florida. But, um, you know, Marinelli Florida. and his scheme, Sharif is like a one technique, mm-hmm. which is one of the least valuable positions on the defense. Right. 
And uh, in fact, you can see how the Cowboys have addressed. I mean, Antoine Woods started there last year. He right. was a practice squad guy that came in and, and right. just uh, because high motor understands the game, made a spot for himself. So, um, you know, so when they came to draft that year, Sharif was the highest guy on the board. And they're going, well, we got to take Sharif. But the coaching staff was like, well, no, that, right. because that. I don't care how good he is, the value of that position in my defense, it doesn't match up. And and that was – they were moving toward it, but that, I think, was kind of the defining moment where they went, okay, now we've got to get our system, rate all of this. You know, we, we've got to be a little more disciplined with this. We've got to have better communication between the scouts and and uh, the coaching staff, and, and we need to emphasize that. And I think that's – one area where Will McClay has made like a big difference. Well, that's our perfect segue because we were going to talk about what it is exactly that Will McClay has done. Uh, and I, I don't think you can underestimate, or you, you could, could underestimate. You could, you can't, but o- no. You can't overestimate, you can't overestimate yeah. what he has done uh, because if we look at, you know, if you go back to any organization, I can remember when I was a little kid, for whatever reason, I became a Chiefs fan in the in the mid '60s, and I'm sure that's because the Oilers stunk uh, <laughs> at the time. But um, but I, I wondered why the Chiefs, you know, as a as a kid, why did they go bad? What happened to them? And so then when I got older, I remember I just got their their dra- their draft, and I went back and looked at it, and it's like, well, you their drafts were terrible. They had about a six or seven year period there where they got nobody, mm-hmm. you know, no first rounders, no no anybody else. So uh, if you look at, of course, what the Cowboys did after Jimmy left, uh, the drafts were, by and large, pretty terrible. There was about a 10-year period yeah. there where they only had a smattering of, of good players. Uh, and you also had a lot of coaching changes there, too, and, and, and coaching staffs that emphasized different sorts of players than what they had before. And so every two to three years, you're saying, okay, well, this coaching staff wants this. And, that, and that's something every team – runs into franchise you you want to have ideally you want to have a franchise profile on the player you want but that also has to be able to breathe because if you have a coaching staff you know you mentioned Chris Richard earlier likes the big Mm -hmm. bigger corners well that wasn't a priority before so you had smaller corners right so now if you bring smaller corners in here continue to draft smaller corners and your coaching staff doesn't like and isn't doesn't have the skill set that really addresses that, you're not helping your franchise. So you have to be able to adapt within the franchise and get the scouting department on board with, okay, no, these are the traits we're emphasizing now, not these. You know, we're not dismissing these other players, but we're 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 weighing uh, say height now for a corner. We're giving that more of a positive weight than we did before. Yeah. So, so Will comes in, uh, and he. So I think Will has done all that. I think he's put the system in place that's allowed that to happen. But, but it's all about his ability to to get everyone to talk and understand each yeah, other. Yeah, and that's what I was unaware of. Was you know because I was out there at that press conference along with you and and others. Uh, you know when the Cowboys had their their draft, when the question was asked about the impact he made, and and uh, and you know you you know this has to be a sensitive subject with Jerry a little bit. Because now Will's getting all the credit for the. I mean, Jerry ultimately is everybody. I'm giving him credit, but I'm going to criticize him for bad yeah. drafts. I'm going to get, sure. you know, because he is signing off on these things at the at the end. But they are Will McClay's uh, drafts, and and so he, you would think he would be a little sensitive to the fact that well, it took getting this guy in place for us to really be good again at this. 
And one of the and 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 Jason Garrett was asked about Will's impact, and he jumped on it immediately. And the first thing he said was the consensus building, the fact that he has gone, as you said, among all these groups, you know, scouts, the, the coaches, and got everybody on board. And and I and I was interested too when Stephen Jones said at one point, uh, we want to have, we want to be, you know, unanimous about this. Yeah. Is there anybody who doesn't like this? And guy? usually now, if we don't, we'll just move on to someone yeah. else. Yeah. And that's interesting to yeah. me. I think he would just say mostly about the first round pick. I don't know if he was saying it as much about the later round picks, but still, that even if that's all it is, that's an interesting uh, concept to me that you want everybody. Uh, if it comes down to two guys and, and, and one guy's everybody and one guy's got everybody except a couple, you're going to go with the one that, that everybody likes. And I guess that's the easy way to, to make that decision, but it's still interesting to me. Well, it's the, it's the best way to make that decision in a lot of ways. Two, what it doesn't state, but it, but it goes to what I've always maintained had been their issue in the draft was not that Jerry was too heavy-handed with the draft, but he would impose himself randomly. Yes. He would decide, yes, he would decide, okay, I'm going to make the first round pick this year. This is who I want. Yeah. Okay, second round, no, this is the player I want. Yeah, you guys, I give you all the other picks, but I'm going to make this pick. Yeah. And Jerry would randomly insert himself into the draft, and so any structure or, or, or discipline you had in place was irrelevant. Mm-hmm. because he would inject himself at any point in the process he wanted. And, and you're talking about some flashpoints. I, I think one was, was going back uh, to the Johnny Manziel. Yes. Where, uh, you know, Stephen and Stephen and, no and Jerry, uh, you know. And again, uh, I, I've always meant this too. Jerry's not as heavy-handed as people have pointed him out to be. Now, now I know everyone's recognizing now he's not, his influence day-to-day is, is, is waned and he's, Deferred most of those to, to Stephen and, and, and others in the organization. But Jerry always deferred. But um, he also always reserved the right to swing in and make a decision whenever he wanted. Yeah. You know, too. And uh, so I, but, and, and I think Stephen still saw that in the Johnny Manziel draft, even though no one in the, no one in the building said they should take Johnny Manziel there. Stephen was still concerned about it the day of the draft because he could just tell his father. Really liked it. Yeah, yeah. And he went in there again. He said, look, uh, the scenarios we're looking at, Manziel's going to be on the board there. So you're, you're fine that everyone's in agreement, you know, but I can tell I don't think you really are. <laughs> so if Johnny Manziel's there... You know, I don't. We can't take him. No one in this building wants him. I understand why you like him, but no one has him evaluated there. And they go back and forth, and then that's when he gets the line about, "Well, if you're going to do middle of the road, you'll never do anything great." Yeah. But 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 he, but again, he deferred to everyone else in the room, and and that and that hit. They got Zach Martin, right? And that hit in such a spectacular way for them on both sides. Yeah. One, what Zach Martin has done. Two, what Johnny Manziel has not done. Could you imagine if they had gotten Johnny Manziel? Oh my gosh! And then where this franchise would be now? Where the where the franchise would be, and and then plus, I mean, Jerry's never going to make up for the history. You know, the, he, if he lived to be 150, he's not going to make up for the history because people yeah. have it locked in about who he is and what he's sure. done. Because uh, I'm like you, I, I see the difference in in him. You know, he's he's 
you know, in the, in the early years after Jimmy was gone, he was so determined to prove that I can do this yeah. and then I am going to, you know, and, sure. and, and I don't know. I mean, listen, I, I love Larry Lacewell. He was a great guy. I don't know how much say Larry really had in the drafts. I don't know if that was – if he's making the calls and then Jerry's overruling him. I don't know if – I don't know what was all going on. That was on. it. I mean, it was – they were comfortable together, and, and uh, he was comfortable knowing that I'll give you all the information. You're going to make whatever damn decision you want anyway, <laughs> so here it is. That was kind of Larry's approach. And, yeah. and But, again, um, th- you had to have that at that point. Because of the way Jerry was running things. Right. Jerry is running things differently now. And it you is. don't need that. And, and, and Will is McClay different. is a manifestation of that. And, and again, you were talking about getting everyone on the same page and building consensus. You know, that's not just about communication. That's a huge part of it. And it's, and it's to find a language where scouts and coaches actually talk the same language or have the same grading system. Because you can, you know, even people who've been in the sport forever look at and weigh, you know, abilities a little bit differently and look for different things. So it's, it's pretty hard to do. Um, but the other thing is it's not just about communication. It's about respect. Will McClay has the respect of ownership. Yeah. He has the respect of all the coaches in there. And he has the respect of all the scouts. And uh, they know he's a straight shooter. They know he'll lay out exactly what it is. Uh, and he'll give his opinion. And uh, But, you know, and then he's kind of like the good soldier about it. But he... He's forceful but not overbearing, if that makes sense. And here's the thing that, that really sold me on him and what he was doing uh, was that, look, uh, if you go back and look at when the Jerry's worst drafts, and I did this last week, uh, of his seven uh, – well, there was, I think there were seven times that Jerry hasn't had a first-round mm-hmm. pick. Uh, those and, were not good drafts. <laughs> and, and five of them were just te- terrible. Drafts. Terrible, yes. Terrible. And, and if you look at it, really, those were probably his worst drafts uh, were those five. And, and it's easy to be a bad draft if you don't have a first-round draft pick. But the, what people don't understand, I don't think, is that the first-round pick is almost a gimme in, in football mm-hmm. most of the time. I mean, you can get to the end of the first round. It, it, as, as Gil Brandt said the other day, there's never – scouts never look at it like, oh, there are 32, you know, yeah, first-round picks. It's always there's 15, 15 to 17. 17 yeah. Somewhere in that range, you know, that there are, are true first-round picks than then after that. But you can always find a guy who can play. He may mm-hmm. not be a star. Yeah. He's not going to be a pro bowler, but he's going to play yeah. uh, in the first round. So when you don't – when you lop that off, okay, now we don't have a first-rounder. Now we're just going to second round. Well, now the, you ratchet up the pressure to get this right much more. And so – Then you have to have discipline. You have to have a board. You have to say these are – this is our plan and we're going to stick to it. Absolutely. And, and that, you can go back and look at those drafts and then you can just tell. Like the, the, the defensive back draft, you know, with, sure. with, with Dwayne Goodrich and those guys. And that was – that was a horrible day. You, you drafted all defensive backs. You know, it, it, the plans – it's almost like they didn't have plans. It's just like – you know the year, the year that, they drafted all special teams players. Special teams players, you know, it's like and they had all, all they had was I think the, the highest was a third round pick, yeah. and they had several thirds, several fours, several fifths. Yeah. You know, it's just idiotic uh, ideas about how to how to do the, the the draft, and so now it is in much better thinking process that goes through it, but. So, but getting the first round picks and just keeping them, which is what Jerry likes to do now, which is I'm all for, and, and I was all for them trading the first round pick for Amari Cooper because of how young he is, about, yeah. because of what he could offer. And I think that all panned out exactly like they thought. More good planning. But uh, if, you, if you look at uh, the fact that, okay, they, they kept first rounders, 
I, I'm not going to give you too much credit for getting your first rounder right. I want to see you get your second round right and your third and your fourth. Mm-hmm. And this was, you know, the year they got Travis Frederick in the first round. We all kind of argued about whether, well, could you really gotten Travis Frederick in the second round? You know, high maybe in the second round? Because you almost negated the Travis Frederick pick by taking Gavin Escobar in the second round. Yeah. Uh, and that was way too high to take him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think most people had seen him as a fourth-round pick. And if you'd taken him in the fourth round, then that would have been okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have had another player because you got to get a player in the second round. You can't get a, yeah. you can't just whiff on a guy, which was what Gavin Escobar was, yes. despite what Barry Horn always no said question. about it. Uh, but what what got me was when when he got Anthony Hitchens in the fourth round. I thought not because here was a guy who was a player mm-hmm. almost right away yes. uh, and a, an immediate contributor. Yes. If you're getting a guy who's going to play that much in the fourth round, well, now you're doing something. Uh, and then, of course, then 2016 was the draft, you know, which was uh, a bonanza for, yeah. for the Cowboys. And you have to have – if you go back and look at any of the Cowboys' special teams, and by special teams I mean teams that went to Super Bowls, in the history of the organization, you go back and look at a draft – Two or three years before that happened, mm-hmm. they had a bonanza draft yep. where they just uh, they got four or five players, and and some of them were Pro Bowl players, and and you know of course eighty nine, ninety, ninety one, sure, that's the, those are the three drafts where they got uh, or eighty eight, eighty eight Irving, eighty nine Aikman, mm-hmm. ninety was uh, Emmett. So you got three years. You in go a row. back before in the Dirty Dozen, back in the seventy, what seventy four or whatever earlier. Yeah, absolutely. And so that, that's what you have to have happen. You have to have some of those drafts, and that's one of the reasons why. And you know, and, and readers argue with me all the time. Uh, I, I say that I think this team is a Super Bowl contender. I think it's a Super Bowl contender because of the players they have piled up. You know, it is a young team. They've had good drafts. This is how you build a Super Bowl contender. They and people will say to me. Oh well, they haven't won anything. Or how can they win with Jason Garrett? I'm putting it all aside. I'm not. You're you're assuming they cannot win these things because of the coach. The coach will get yeah. in the way. The owner will get in the way. Uh, I haven't seen that yet. Uh, I, I I have seen them be mediocre. But I think it's because they had mediocre talent. Uh, mm-hmm. And now they do have good talent. They had good enough talent last year. It's all older this year. I, I think this is the window. The Cowboys are in their window now. No question. To be competitive window. for for a Super Bowl. And if they if they're not this coming season, there'll be consequences. Oh, I think so too. There, there's no question about and that. They, but and there should be. You, know, you mentioned uh, the drafts, and I went back and looked at it again because I know a lot of people aren't excited about this draft as other drafts because, and again, Thursday is going to be a, a really boring proposition. It's yes, going to be it like will. everyone else. Everyone else is invited to the party, and you're just like, okay, well, you can come after the party's up and running, you know, in three hours. <laughs> yeah, just clean up after us. But, uh, but let's just go back in the five year, the last five years. Um, what the Cowboys have done, I went and looked it up. What the Cowboys have done from the second round through the seventh round, and I'm not, I'm not even including some, some, you know, undrafted free agents that have stepped in, like Jeff Heath and others who have stepped in and, sure. and made a big contribution and been starters. Just players they have drafted in the second through the seventh rounds in the last five years. Nineteen of those players have started at least one game. Uh, they're currently, right now on the depth chart, there are eight starters who were taken in the second round or later over the last five years. Two of them are pro bowlers in Dak Prescott and uh, Demarcus Lawrence. But you want to look at the total, a total of um, they, they have started, there have been 358 games started by those 19 players. 
358 games started in the last five years and a total of 660 games played. Now, that's not, that's not counting some guys who have been like, say, a, um, uh, a Kayvon Frazier who hadn't started a game but has been very good on special teams oh, yeah. and has been a pretty solid backup. Absolutely. He's obviously played a lot of games. Yeah. So that's not even counting those players. I'm only counting players who have actually started. So out of 19 players have started at least one game, and they've given them 358 games started over the last five years. Uh, that, that's some quality production. It is, and you know, it, it, it also represents what's... And you mentioned real quick, you mentioned Anthony Hitchens earlier. Yeah. Anthony Hitchens had 48 of those starts. Him and Dak Prescott have more starts over the last five years of anyone taking the second round or later. Anthony Hitchens and Dak Prescott, both with 48 starts. And Anthony Hitchens is still playing a lot, too. Still playing a lot for Kansas City. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, that's an example when you draft this well, but, but who did they replace Anthony Hitchens with? Leighton yeah. Vander Esch. Yeah, absolutely. So they that, were able to replace a good player in the draft and actually upgrade at the position. So now they went with the first round pick instead of a fourth, but yeah. But, but that's what uh, I, you know. Remember, but that's what drafting well allows you to do. Well, that's the term. Remember that uh, Bill Parcells used was turning the roster. Yeah. That you take if you look, there are still people like B.W. Webb is still in in the league. Sure. You know there there are guys like that that they had taken who who played a little bit and they were able to upgrade. Mm-hmm. And they were able to find somebody who was better than those guys, and that's and that's what's really impressed me with this group. Uh, so let's look at a few. Uh, let's say they're going to take, uh, as you brought up, uh, Devo Samuel or Samuel Devo, whatever. You <laughs> Whoever. <call> it, <laughs> that you know. Uh, <laughs> listen, when it comes to that pick, the fifty-eighth pick in the second round, uh, if they, if Samuel is there, and there are some people who think he's the second or third best receiver, you know, he's not a. He's kind of an interesting player because he's five eleven. He's over two hundred pounds. Yeah. He's not that. He's not a burner. He's not a burner. He's not really quick, but and I didn't see him play a lot. But he is a guy who has a lot of production. Uh, is a very tough runner. Very runs, muscular, yeah. Very, Shifts gears well. Uh, you know. And runs great routes. Uh, to me, this is a guy who would be a long-term answer at, at slot receiver. Also had four return, punt return touchdowns. Which is also important to me, I, I tell you. Because uh, uh, they got nothing out of the return game. No. And, and to me, if you're going to be the, the slot receiver or if you're going to be uh, the third receiver, you know, then you need to be a guy playing special teams. You need to be returning punts. Or, or the backup games. running back. You need to do that as well. Yeah, Absolutely. You need to be playing multiple roles on this yes. team. So uh, that's a, a dynamic talent. I don't know that they need him, especially as we said before for this year, but if you're getting that guy and if he forces his way into the lineup, uh, then, then absolutely take him. And, again, you're going to sit there and you're all, you'll all argue it and say, well, um, you know, will he take time away from Randall Cobb here early? No. He, no, he won't get in that not. much. But if he upgrades our return game and if we really think he can be our slot receiver going forward, well, you know, we can invest in that this year in the second round. And so I think, uh, you know, I don't know that there's any other receiver in the second round they would really consider. I know a lot of people like Isabella and all of this, but um, he, Debo – Samuel is the guy they brought in. Um, they, they clearly like him a lot. Um, you know, really, when you look at how this broke down, there are, only, there are only two offensive players that they talked to that would really be worthy of a second-round pick, and it's Debo Samuel and it's Damian Harris, the uh, running back. Alabama running back. And, yeah. and we've talked about running back. I, I just don't see investing. You did it with Sherman Williams, um, you know, and, and Harris doesn't, doesn't give you a lot in uh, special teams. Um, I just don't. I don't. I don't. See I, it. I don't see that. I think they will take a running back. I think it'll be, you know, 
fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth round, but possibly even third if there's a guy they really like. There's some guys we can talk about there. But I, I agree. I, I, I don't I, see there. I, I think they go offense in the first, in the second round. It's going to be receiver. And then every other player, you, there are five other players you can talk about in the second round that they brought in uh, that are going to go in the second round. Uh, four of them are safeties and one's a defensive end. And, you know, there were three safeties uh, that I mentioned the other day that, that to me uh, are guys that are interesting and, and they're considered kind of at the top of a lot of the boards. you got Juan Thornhill from Virginia, yep. Taylor Rapp from Washington, and you also have uh, a kid from Florida. Um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Yeah, who, who is, you know, Chance the Gardner, right? It, yeah. <laughs> from being there. It's Peter Sellers. You know, Chauncey Gardner. Chauncey. I, I can't believe it. I can't believe the Cowboys would have an opportunity to draft a, a a movie star, a character. Anyway, kids, you didn't need to look that up. It's a Peter Sellers it's a, movie. It's pretty good. It's a dated reference, pretty, reference, but it is good. It's a pretty existential movie. Uh, but anyway, um, the, the interesting thing to me about these three guys is that you take a Taylor Rapp, who I think they say pro football focus that he missed two tackles last year. Mm-hmm. So he's obviously a great tackler. He's supposed to be a smart, great instincts. Great instincts. Yeah, very intelligent. Smart yeah. guy. Really supposed to be a great kid. Very few mistakes. Uh, great uh, character. The, the the problems are not necessarily a great coverage guy to me. And, and to me, he really profiles as a strong safety. Uh, I, I don't see him as being a He's guy. a free safety, but, yeah, he's one of the four they brought in. Yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like he's the kind of guy – that maybe he's not as much of a hybrid as you would like for him to be. I'm, you know, there and there are people who think he is one of the two or three best safeties in this draft. I just don't know if a lot uh, of people have him raised the top safety in the draft. Yeah, yeah. But he's quick to diagnose plays. Uh, the problem is he's he's not. Um, he has below average speed. Yeah, he didn't time. He, he didn't time a, well. He ran a four seven two. Yeah, yeah. A four not. seven two. Which really, I think he was the unquestioned top safety before that. Yeah. Now I think there's some teams going well. I mean, yeah, we still like him, but we also like, you know, uh, you know, one guy you didn't mention, Jonathan Abram, I think is another guy in the mix there at Mississippi State. He's in there, too. He's kind of a, uh, from what I understand, you know, and I haven't seen these guys a lot, and I certainly hadn't watched any tape. Uh, But uh, of of these guys, I really like uh, old Chauncey. I just Mm -hmm. feel like he's the best hybrid of the bunch. You know, Juan Thornhill is more of a, very, very fast. These guys yeah. are both fast. Thornhill, I think, ran like a four four two, and very athletic. Uh, not much of a hitter, though. Not much of a tackler. Uh, yeah, Thornhill's smoother guy. Um, you know, versatile. Uh, not a burner, but good speed. But it, but again, it's more about he tracks well. He undercuts routes. Um, has a good feel for the game. Good balance. Good anticipation. Um. Yeah, but uh, Abram, the Mississippi State guy, he's he's like shot out of a cannon. Yeah, I mean, he just he's goes a, at he's you. He's a big hitter. Blows you up. That's right. And and you know, there's certainly a place for that. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of the old days of Roy Williams. Yeah. You know, who was a a, a clear box safety, and then mm-hmm. when the NFL changed, all of a sudden Roy couldn't Didn't really have a spot play yeah. anymore. So uh, there are different things you can do back there. I, I think the the feeling is if you if you were to pair up. I don't. I think any of those guys would be fine. Yeah. But uh, if I had my preferences, I, I I'd rather have Chauncey and a, a guy that you can pair up with, with Xavier Woods. And now defense or offenses can't tell exactly yeah. what you're going to do here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I think that uh, from, from everything I could tell, if one of those three guys were available, if uh, if uh, you know if Debo Samuel's available, then that's fine. Do you think it's a possibility that a tight end could creep into that equation? You know, the. The tight ends they looked at 
by most people seem to be third round picks. Yeah. And I would really argue, you know, unless you're going to turn loose of Blake Jarwin or Dalton Schultz, now that Jason Witten is back, um, do you really want to bring a hype? Unless you really, you're convinced this is your tight end in the future. Now, if that's the case, you bring them in and you do it. But I, I think Jarwin and Schultz showed enough at the end of last season. Now with Witten being back, um, I would argue tight end is something you address next year. Really? Now, I don't know what the I don't know what the you know the class looks like next year, but um, you know they, they brought in a couple of tight ends that I think will be in consideration in the third round. It's uh, Sternberger, the A and M guy, and also uh, Dawson Knox from Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Oh. I, I think those are. Those are both third-round guys that they brought in. You know, they brought in another guy, Drew Sample from Washington, Mm -hmm. which is kind of the prototypical. He's not ready yet, but he's a prototypical guy. Uh, But he, I think most projections have him as like a fourth or fifth-round pick. So I I would think if they do tight end, it's going to be a third-day guy. Yeah, more I, than a second day guy. You know, I, I saw Jay Sternberger play quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I like him. He, you know, what I like about him is that uh, he he's always open. You know, he he was always finding a you know a crease, a, a soft spot somewhere, and getting himself open and making a lot of catches and and scoring a lot of touchdowns. Uh, you know, he's not a burner, uh, not a great blocker. Of course, there's always a problem in the Cowboys' offense. You got to be a two-way tight end. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not yeah. good enough that you just can catch no, the ball. No, you can't. Yes. You know, although I will say, if, if this guy's going to be your secondary, I mean, you know, because sometimes they like to employ two tight ends, uh, it wouldn't be bad to have one guy that you're going to catch the ball, but that's what they think that Blake Jarwin is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I, I would be fine with uh, – with with Witten coming back this year and with having those two guys who with by the end of last year were performing pretty well mm-hmm. uh and and I think as well as you could expect a rookie to perform at any point this year so I agree with that I I, I unless a, a a tight end fell and at some point you'd have to ask yourself why is this guy falling this far yeah. you know uh you you better really know what you're getting into when you take some of these players all right now let's look at, at defensive end we haven't even mentioned that uh there's a Louisiana uh, tech defensive Yeah, Jalen Ferguson. Ferguson. I, I think, um, you know, he may be gone before the Cowboys pick at 58. Really? But, but he's a guy that, that they brought in. Um, great upside. I mean, he had 45 career sacks. Right. Uh, 17.5 as a senior season. Um, you know, he's really good Good speed to power ratio, long arms. Uh, uh, plays with a low pad, pad level. Uh, real, real high effort player. Pretty good quickness. Uh, good strength with his hands. Uh, you know, he, he latches onto a guy, and and uh, it's hard to hard for him to, to disengage. Um, you know, he's not not great, not the best technique. His hips are a little tight. Um, he has like a really good initial move, but after that, it's kind of what you know. What what do you follow up with? Right. Uh, he's just gotten by. He's he's so overpowering on that first move his first move so good he beats guys and so you gotta you gotta develop those counter moves and he and he's not a great technician at this point but all of the other stuff plays hard low pad level uh power you know power to to speed ratio uh he really fits the profile of what they like a lot 
the what I've under, of course I didn't see him play at all in college, but uh, what I've read about him, the indication seemed to be that uh, he was taking advantage of uh, of obviously players who aren't as good uh, at the level and uh, the conference that he's playing at and the competition he's playing against. Um, and when he went to the Senior Bowl, I guess it was, he did not do as well uh, in, in those practices and in the, in the game itself. So uh, there would yeah. be concern about, you know, what it is that this guy actually brings to the table. Uh, of course, this would be the kind of thing you would hope that uh, the Cowboys are looking at. We, we've done a lot of tape. We have done a lot of interviews. We've, we've talked to a lot of people, and we find out about this guy's character. Is he willing to work? Is he willing to do the things to learn how to uh, play with better technique and, and, uh, and get better? Uh, if you think this is a guy, most, most defensive ends, unless you're a Joey Bosa, uh, they don't come in right away and are, are dominant players. Yeah. I would imagine his brother, Nick, will be a dominant player too. Demarcus Lawrence wasn't. Demarcus Lawrence wasn't. Yeah. That's absolutely right. And, and uh, or, you know, Demarcus Ware was. Mm-hmm. You know, those are rare cases. Those Very are, rare, yeah. Usually those are guys who are going to be Hall of Famers uh, mm-hmm. who, who play that way right away. Uh, most of the guys that are – most defensive ends take a little bit of time. If you really feel like at that 58th pick – this is the best guy available, and we really think we got something here. We really think we could bring him along. Then, then go ahead. Well, I, I don't but, have a problem with that because then a def- you can say right now, defensive end, how much is he going to play this year? This goes against a little bit of our argument we were going with safety, mm-hmm. but uh, you don't have the depth at safety you have in the defensive line, and you can say, well, there's so much depth in the defensive line. Are you really going to throw more at it? Well, you don't know when, if, or how long Randy Gregory is going to be able to come back and play. Uh, Robert Quinn, you brought in for this year. Right. Is he going to play beyond this year? Taco Charlton, you haven't been thrilled with what you've seen for two. So suddenly you can look up. You don't re-sign Quinn. Gregory's not back. And Taco Charlton has been the the rare first-round washout here you've had in recent years. Suddenly, you don't have a starting left defensive end unless you want to put Tyron Crawford back out there at a, at a, at a late age. Right. So now suddenly you're going – so I'm, very quickly, they can go from a good depth and rotation in the defensive line to nothing. Absolutely. So that's, that's why defensive line will still – you know, the, the other players they looked at are, or they have interest in are, are primarily, I think, would be at, at 90 in the third round. There, there you're always getting guys with more questions – you yeah. know, but, uh, you know, because but uh, you know Max Crosby of Eastern Michigan, uh, Zach Allen of Boston College, those are two guys to consider in the third round. Neither of those guys visited, but um, th- there's an interest there that they'll be in that range. John Kaminsky, the guy from Charleston, uh, he is a guy who visited. Uh, he'll be in there. Um, Christian Miller, who's a linebacker at Alabama, but they would project in that uh, in that you know defensive end spot. Um, you know, he, he's had like 47 pounds since high school. So, really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, and another uh, defensive tackle would be uh, this Tristan Hill from uh, UCF. Uh, a lot of people are really intrigued by him. He's an explosive guy. Uh, he moves like a linebacker, has spin moves, uh, like a violent hand swipe. Um, again, that it's more the nuances of the games he doesn't have, but just, a, just an overwhelming talent and uh, would be a three technique, which they could really upgrade there and get some pass rush there. So that's another guy, I think, to to consider in the third round if he's there 
but but I think most people seem to think he's going to be he will go in the third. Tristan Hill, intriguing name. So uh, not going to be an exciting draft for the Cowboys, probably. Mm. No, no Johnny Manziel in there anywhere. <laughs> well, he's. I guess you could bring him in. You can bring Johnny in. Just Johnny was a free agent. <laughs> See, that's what that's what Jerry should do. See if like he can develop, he can come back and get him now. What the heck? Bring him on. I'm all for it. Uh, so uh, we're glad that David was here with us today with his notes. He had very good notes. I need today. notes. Yes, it was very good. They were very good notes. Uh, very quickly, if you want to go through real quick, we can go through. Uh, four, they have two picks in the fourth round. Oh, that's right. Yeah, one twenty-eight, one thirty-six. Uh, I think there's a good chance you can see a running back there, uh, Bryce Love from Stanford. You know, I was thinking about him the other day. You know, here was a guy who was a favorite for the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. Uh, then he had some injury problems, and he's really fallen on a lot of boards here. He has. And, and to me, this is the kind of guy they should investigate. Sure. If, you, if you're, you're going to be able to get him later, here's a guy with – he's really fast, mm-hmm. brings you a little different element at, at, uh, at running back. Why not take well, a He's a patient runner, too. He's yeah. fast, uses it. I mean, he, he like – he waits for the blocks to develop and then hits the hole. It's yeah. not like he just plunges ahead with the speed. So, yeah, he, that's a guy. Uh, you know, a couple of receivers they brought in, I, I think, be considered here. Uh, Emmanuel Hall from Missouri yeah. and uh, Jalen Hurd from, from Baylor. Baylor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Both of those guys came in. Either one of those guys would make sense in the fourth round if, if they haven't taken a receiver by then. Jalen Hurd, a big guy. And there, yeah, and there's a good chance. He, yeah, he's almost like, well, he's like a running back, right? I mean, he was. Yes, uh, he was before he, he transferred. Yeah, kind of a hybrid slot guy yeah. is kind of how they would see. But, you know, fearless over the middle. Yeah. I mean, I, you, know, seemed, um, you know, a couple of defensive tackles there, too. Uh, Gerald Willis from Miami and uh, Kingsley Kiki from uh, Texas A&M. Yep. I think in the fourth round with those two picks. If they haven't gone defensive tackle in the third round, uh, second or third round, you could see that under consideration. And we said earlier Drew Sample, the tight end out of Washington, who uh, um, is the prototype kind of – I mean, he, he is a good – don't use him much as a receiver. Uh, use him more as a blocker. But he has soft hands, and, and you would think you could develop him there. Uh, fifth round – uh, that's where you have a couple more safeties come in. Uh, Will Harris, Boston College, they mm-hmm. brought him in. He probably goes in the fourth or fifth round. Uh, Kari Willis from Michigan State, uh, that's another safety to keep in mind there. Uh, if they haven't done a running back, uh, I think there are a couple that could be there in the fifth. Uh, Mike Weber uh, from Ohio State mm-hmm. or uh, Tony Pollard from Memphis. And uh, – and with Pollard, he was a kickoff return guy. He returned seven uh, kickoffs for touchdowns in college. Now, he didn't return punts, which is what they really need. Yes. And I don't know that anyone can be a, a great kickoff return man in the NFL I don't think anymore. it matters anymore, no. Yeah, and, uh, and this is where they started bringing in some linebackers to look at, too. Uh, but this is more special teams and, and just depth. Uh, but then seventh round, again, at the, at the positions we were talking about, you want to keep in mind – and I'm just breezing through the linebackers here, not really mentioning them much. But wide receiver, uh, that John Vea Johnson from Toledo, uh, they also brought him in for a visit. He's kind of a sixth or seventh round pick uh, if you haven't gotten a receiver and you want to plug him in there. And uh, this is where the couple of corners they brought in would make sense in, in the seventh round, maybe late sixth. If they, Cowboys don't have a sixth, but uh, you know, right. if you move up back into late sixth or something. Uh, and that's uh, Derek Thomas from Baylor. Uh, who they like, and also Chris Westry, who we talked about earlier. So, David, is is that Jerry's draft board you got there? <laughs> uh, it would be nice if I had Jerry. <laughs> well, I don't know if I want Jerry's draft board. I want <laughs> Will's Will draft board. Will's draft board. <laughs> Jerry's drawn up, guys. <laughs> I like this guy. He's really good. 
so anyway, that's our uh, that's our draft podcast for for the week. Uh, we appreciate you coming on with us and uh, and watching or listening. Uh, we also going to have a little Rangers podcast. We're going to have a little bit of a Stars podcast. Well, stars. Well. We're going to talk a little hockey. Right, so second pucks, round. Me and you. We're a couple of puckheads. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for coming, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.